This show is not for the faint of heart. If you're craving personal growth that goes beyond the surface level, then you're in the right place. Get ready to unlock your mind, unleash your authenticity, ignite your purpose and passion, and fortify your emotional resilience. Say goodbye to drama and distraction and hello to new potential. As a former lawyer and business leader turned certified high performance coach, I know what it takes to excel in life. I'm here to push you beyond your comfort zone, challenge your beliefs, and spark a transformation that will revolutionize the way you work, have relationships, and your well-being. You've already taken the first step by being here, so buckle up because we're about to go on this life-changing journey together. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Let's talk about how to get work-life balance. This is an area that almost everyone I know, personally and professionally, is striving for. There rarely seems to be a time when work is challenging yet manageable and rewarding, while our relationships, time to think, time for ourselves, and our personal well-being is also optimized. Just when you think everything's in balance, something seems to give, doesn't it? Maybe something blows up at work and then you're burning that midnight oil again. You're putting out fires and maybe feeling guilty for not being present with your loved ones. You're shuffling into your home office to work again. Sometimes it's not the workload that's the problem, but the people you're working with that are causing lots of stress. Let's be real. So you might find yourself crashing into a heap on the couch with a packet of something and maybe a glass of something, something. You're replaying conversations about what you could have said, what you should have said instead of being present with your family or instead of going to the gym for a workout. Maybe you're getting lost in a screen, scrolling, distracting yourself with other people's news, social media and the actual news. Either way, you end up feeling guilty for neglecting your personal relationships and your health, but you feel stuck between a rock and a hard place because after all, you can't just quit. You can't just quit and make up lost time. You've got bills to pay, mortgage repayments to make, mounting pressure from all angles. So what we do then is we go into survival mode and just do our best to cope, hoping that things change. But what if things don't get better? What happens when we're just coping and things get worse? Well, this happens sometimes. And in these more severe cases of stress, overwhelm, and extended periods of being in this survival mode, you know, coping, binging, just holding it all together, we burn out. Relationships fail. And in these cases, we have no choice but to surrender to have some time off, to heal, to learn new ways to not just survive anymore and just cope with competing demands in life, but learn new ways to thrive and to build a life experience that we actually desire that has more balance in it, one that is challenging and satisfying enough while being full of well-being 
and overall happiness. And when you feel it go in one way, you're able to balance it back. People tell me that after burnout, they're forced to see that setback as something that needed to happen. It needed to happen in order for them to learn a valuable lesson. And while that's true, I'm so glad we're able to see the silver linings here. I'm here with you now to give you that lesson and help prevent the burnout from happening in the first place or from happening again. This is the power of coaching and the reason I made this podcast, because the better you know, the better you can do. And the truth about living in this hyper-connected, fast-paced society is that there will always be some form of distraction, some urgency or emergency to attend to. There will always be people and problems that will demand your attention and drain your energy, pull you from one side of the scale to the other. There will always be something or someone vying to take up your personal, your mental, your emotional and your spiritual space from colleagues and clients, you know, accounts that you're managing to those paid ads and remarketing campaigns that you see anytime you go on the internet or even on social media. It's those shoes you looked at once <laughs> that will follow you around online. And yes, say you've been talking about getting a new clothes steamer like I have. <laughs> You'll see ads for those clothes steamers as well. So unless you want to bow out entirely and become a happy hermit in the Himalayas, which does sound pretty nice to be honest, then what you will really benefit from is developing some skills and habits that will help you strike that work-life balance in this ever-changing and always demanding environment that we live and work in. The goal is that you'll be able to bend and flex during the storms of life. When there's turbulence, when things are always urgent, always busy, you're getting it from all angles and be like that palm tree on the beach, you know, in that wild wind, one moment looks horizontal because it's just being blown over. And then when the wind's done, just bouncing back, bouncing up to full height when that wild wind is over. We want to be flexible and this is what these skills will teach you. It's either that or losing a limb in the wild weather, breaking mid-trunk, snapping in half or getting uprooted entirely like those stiff, rigid trees or those stiff, rigid people who say, well, this is how it's meant to be. And I've people who say that only have one way of coping and they get broken like that willow or cedar tree who doesn't bend. So staying flexible and being able to regain your balance in these changing environments we live and work in, if that sounds good to you, let's dive into two key practices for getting this work-life balance so that you can create that personal and professional success that you crave. It doesn't have to be just one or the other. So work-life balance practice one, go from reactor to initiator. So this first practice is about taking charge of what's in your calendar, taking charge of what's in your to-do list and ultimately how you spend your time instead of letting other people and distractions from having their way with you, you know, adding meetings that someone else really should be leading into your calendar. 
Maybe people are putting time in your diary for you to do their work. (laughs) Maybe they're adding you to projects on that FYI basis, just trying to cover their own backs without you having an actual thing to do in that meeting or project. And then consequently, filling your email and notifications with more distraction and energy zappers. You know what I'm saying? What this first practice is asking you to do by going from reactor or to initiator is for you to get clear on what your mission, your priorities, and your plans are first, right now, for now, and the coming days, weeks, and months so that you protect your time for what and who really matter, what and who are priority. Then only after time is protected for the priority that day, you can ring fence other blocks of time for responding to requests, collaborating, being a team player, and helping others get their work done. Now, while this makes sense, you know, to protect time for what and who matter first, you'd be surprised at the number of people who just hope to get their important work done or rely on family time to make up for that work, which of course is no work-life balance and strips you of the ability to become a high performer. And if you don't know what a high performer really is, check out episode one to find out and how to get it. So when you're sitting down to put this area of going from reactive to initiative into practice, you've got to revisit your mission and clarify your priorities and plans, both personally and professionally, of course. So yes, you've got to know your professional mission, your goals, your KPIs, as well as your personal values, what you feel your purpose is, your goals in your health, relationships, fitness, travel, all that good stuff. Because if you don't, you'll be leaving achieving this work-life balance to chance and you won't get the work-life balance. You'll think that you'll get balance by going on that quarterly holiday, (laughs) but all you've really done is worked yourself, worked your fingers to the bone, you know, typing away or talked your throat into being hoarse and losing your voice and then thinking, oh, you know, I'll just wait for that that quarterly holiday or six monthly holiday that I have with my family or my friends, when really you haven't optimized anything in life. And the closer you get to that holiday, the worse your decision making gets, the more stressed you get, the less other people want to be around you, people that you want to be around you. So you can't leave this to chance. You've got to know your personal and your professional mission, priorities, goals together, what you're working on as a vision of your life overall. And that's how you need to start to see your calendar, not just as a work thing, but as a whole life thing. Imagine that your life was a business. For me, Tanya Semrad Limited, to create a strategy for myself and to create balance across my whole life, I need to see everything that's related to who I am, what I want to do and how I want to live. I can't just take things in silos or piecemeal things together. So the goal here is to block out time for yourself, your name, Proprietor Limited, holistically, and to see your calendar and your to-do list from this full, whole vision. To make sure that I'm initiating and not just reacting to my life, I practice annual, quarterly, 
monthly, weekly, and daily visualization and planning. First, I get clear on the vision for my life, personally and professionally, being really holistic. And then I work backwards to where I am now to figure out my mission and priorities for the year. I will think about my values, the impact I want to have in business, the financial goals I need to hit, and the experiences I want to have in my personal relationships, my health, my fitness, and travel, for example. So what I do is I set goals in each area and then look at the entire calendar year and plot the most opportune times for each goal and experience. I get a full annual calendar yearly view. I then print this out and tack it to the wall in my work area. I'm a tactile person. (laughs) So I can see it multiple times per day and it keeps me aligned. It keeps me clear on who I am and what I'm working towards. Now, this is my macro view of what and who is my priority personally and professionally. It keeps me focused and making sure that I'm getting that work-life balance. So after this annual exercise, I then plot out my monthly milestones that reflect the achievement of my annual journey. I usually do this activity once per year and I tend to review and adjust this journey throughout the year, usually as I'm getting to the start of a new month. So every month I then review where I am on this annual journey. So if annual and monthly planning doesn't work for you because maybe you don't have as much self-determination in your career just yet, I know when I was a lawyer and I was head of marketing for other people in other companies, it was difficult to know what their mission was sometimes because they were going through change or there was the global financial crisis or there was COVID and things were up in the air. It was difficult to have a real um, hold on what I could achieve month on month. So if there is something like that happening in your life, there's too much uncertainty or you don't have your own business. Like, so I have my own business now and I am able to dictate what I work on, when I work on stuff, who's important in my life. I have much more self-determination. That's why I chose to have my own business. So if this doesn't work for you because there's too much uncertainty or you don't have that self-determination, then try annual and quarterly planning. You don't have to go into the month. So get clear on your mission, what your objectives are for the year, and then plot quarterly goals or themes without getting too hung up. But I stress that you have to dive into this work. Many of us aren't used to doing this kind of planning. We're not used to taking on such a high level of ownership in our lives. But these are the kinds of habits that separate high performers, whether they have their own business or they're working for others or with others, from people who are just striving and never arriving at what they want. Then at the start of each month, I'll reflect on the month gone and the lessons I'd learned, the gains made, ideas I'd had, and I write them down. I then rate my focus and productivity out of 10. I track the habits that I wanted to implement. And while I do this, I also write down the wins. The wins had small and large from signing new clients to sticking to my fitness routine, 
Did I meditate every day like I wanted to? You know, it's really important to integrate the wins. Otherwise, you know, being, you know, ambitious people moving on to the next thing, we forget the stuff that we've won. And then when things get hard, we can feel self-doubt and imposter syndrome sometimes creep in, that lack of confidence and assertiveness generally because we've forgotten the good stuff we've done. And then this leads to more distraction and less work-life balance, of course. So check out episode 19 to learn how to prevent that self-doubt and imposter syndrome from creeping in, especially if you're in a real season of work. So once I've reflected on the month gone, I will then look forward to the coming month. I will plot out big meetings I need to have and services I need to build out in my business, as well as the travel I want to go on, the local events I want to attend, any birthdays and weddings and bits and pieces I want to go to, and also the habits I'm working on. I'm really keen to take my personal relationship to the next level all the time and experience a deeper connection, a deeper one than I have now. It's not to say that I'm not happy or satisfied. I just know there's more. I know there's uncharted waters to experience. Look at your relationship now. You know, I bet even though it's good, there's another level you can go to. Am I right? So how else do you know you're doing that unless you've made it a goal and articulated specific habits you want to implement like um, not rising (laughs) to uh, snarky comments or jabs that someone might take without knowing they're doing it? Huh? How do you know? So I also want to look at my health. I want to take certain vitamins and supplements. I want to take my physical muscular, cardiovascular fitness to a new level. I want to make sure I'm connecting with friends while doing all of this. So all that stuff gets plotted out. Then depending on the type of meeting, goal or habit, I'll either assign specific blocks of time as a one-off to a specific time in a day or in a specific week, or they'll get assigned as a daily practice. So this is recurring blocks of time that get assigned to that. Exercise, for example, I've got recurring blocks of time protected and assigned to exercise. I've got specific blocks of time protected and assigned to my daily visualization, meditation, and planning practice. So in both cases, I'm blocking physical time in my diary as an appointment, meeting or private to-do before my calendar gets blocked up with meetings and urgent requests where then I'd be saying stuff like, oh, you know, I just don't have time. I always put myself last or I feel so tired and burnt out and out of balance. I also do weekly reflection. Now, usually this happens on a Friday or Saturday. So each week I'll reflect on the progress I'm making towards my monthly and annual mission. I'm looking at my annual wall calendar and reminding myself of why I'm doing all these things. And I'll also make sure that time is protected in the following week for any adjustments or pivots that I need to make. Now, one thing that I always protect time for on a daily basis is deep work. Now, I might not necessarily know the specifics of what I'll be working on so far out, whether it's uh, the month out or the quarter out or the year out. 
And I don't know whether it's going to be on business strategy, on my marketing plan, whether it's deep work to write and create content, but I know that deep work is needed for my progress. So I always protect time for that. Your deep work might be strategizing how you're going to tackle your top three accounts. It might be strategizing what type of client or prospect you're going to be going for. It might be strategizing your next move in life. It might be strategizing how you're going to change and transform your entire organization. (laughs) You need time for deep work. So this means that I've blocked at least two hours every single day to do deep work. Now, this is about six days a week, usually Monday to Saturday, and sometimes it's a Sunday as well, or the Sunday instead of the Saturday. So I also create the environment for getting the work done. This means that every device I have goes on do not disturb so that I'm not distracted and I can actually get the important work done. I also make sure I choose the right environment, not somewhere too noisy, somewhere I can hear myself think. That's important for me, doing deep work. Some people need a bit of white noise in the background. That's not me. So Part of not having work-life balance is not feeling satisfied and strengthened by the work you're doing. You feel busy, you've got this busyness, but you've got no traction. You have nothing major and satisfying to show for it. So with daily deep work time protected, I feel satisfied. I feel strengthened at the end of each day. And I still have time to spend helping others, to spend time guilt-free on these other areas of my life that I've protected time for. So I've got time protected for physical activity every day because guess what? If work gets busy, that's the first thing to go. (laughs) And I'm also not great with remembering to take moments throughout the day to just breathe and get perspective on what I'm doing. So I've pre-scheduled 10 to 20-minute resets throughout my day to slowly brew a tea to take a walk while listening to a podcast or just to not listen to anything at all or give someone I care about a call. I also make sure that I've got weekly social engagement, either seeing friends for dinner or to do an activity like boxing together, which I love. Now, this level of detail and planning might sound overwhelming and restrictive, but that's fake news. It's because I'm clear on what I'm working towards on a yearly, monthly and weekly basis with the daily deep work protected that allows me to be spontaneous, that allows me to spend time with other people, help empower them, be present with clients, spend quality time with my guy, look after my health, and most importantly, know that I'm exactly where I need to be doing exactly what I need to be doing, not overwhelmed and feeling like I'm a scattergun but I'm excited, dialed in and creative, present in the moment, making eye contact. I'm not burned out, but I'm energized and I'm clear-headed. I'm not unsure of where my time is best going to be spent, but seeing every day, week and month that I'm making steady professional progress while enjoying my life. Now, this is work-life balance, my friend. This level of clarity also helps me stay flexible because if something becomes genuinely urgent, I still have time on that daily, weekly, and monthly basis to assign to it. 
It also means I don't have to give away opportunities. I can just say not now, but absolutely next month instead of saying no altogether or getting FOMO and then biting off more than I can chew. If it's a good opportunity, I can allocate time to it in future without compromising on my current priorities. This show is one way. So I can't help you figure out how to plan your specific day, your name, proprietary limited, unless we're working together one-on-one. So if you're unsure where to start, do your best to figure out where your time really needs to go and block out time for that deep work for those important conversations and activities that are critical to achieving your personal and professional goals holistically. Now, this deep work might take up two to four hours of your day every day, depending on your circumstances. And then it's just a matter of time of blocking out other blocks of time for other people and your lower priority or nice to haves for later in your day and later in your week. So on that, I like to get my deep work done in the morning while I'm still fresh right after my meditation practice before the day takes over. If you want to dive more deeply into getting clear on your goals and then doing the planning, check out episode four. Get clear on your goals and 60-day action plan. And to get more clear on your priority values, check out episode two, how to gain clarity and become more confident in yourself. That's a really good one for understanding your personal values and how those values thread throughout your entire life, business and personal. For planning, I personally swear by the six-minute success journal for my monthly, weekly, and daily planning for work-life success. I want to be personally and professionally successful, as do my clients. We want it all. And this keeps me on track. It's a lovely linen-bound book as well. You get to choose a color. So if you're a tactile person like me, you will love it. My clients also love it. An alternative to that, and one I also really like, is the High Performance Planner by Brendan Bouchard. So compare both and see which layout you prefer. Both are available on on Amazon and I'll pop the links into the show notes as well. The second practice for work-life balance is empower others. Yes, we live on this earth with other people. There's no getting away from them unless we are that happy hermit in the Himalayas. So let's use this social soup to our advantage and really empower others to step up and help out. We don't have to do everything ourselves. And for those who are serious about having a positive impact and actually leaving a meaningful legacy, you should not do everything yourself or hoard the important work because not only are you depriving others from a challenge, from learning about themselves and contributing at a higher level, empowering themselves, their families, and their communities, you might run out of time trying to do it all by yourself. You'll run out of time trying to achieve your goals and have the impact you want, and that would be sad. Movements really come from community, from our social spheres, personally and professionally. And if you're a leader of an organization or a leader of change or ideas, it's your duty to involve others, to involve them early and to empower them to actually do a great job. You've got to consistently challenge other people to step up. And when this works, you create a successful business that can employ more people. 
outsource more contractors, create opportunity and really fuel the economy. And this is where your impact and your legacy goes full circle in more ways than one while you're making sure that you've got time for you, that you've got time for your work-life balance. And to get there faster, we really need to be working with people who know more than us about other areas of business and life. That's a tangent, so I won't go down there. Let's stay on empowering others for work-life balance. This is about helping others get the important work done so that you don't have to do it all by yourself. You don't have to burn the midnight oil, steal time from your family, steal time from your friends and your health pursuits. It's about getting people proficient and efficient enough to do work that matters. Some leaders say they struggle to get alignment and empowering others is all about alignment. But sometimes we get in our own way when it comes to delegating, challenging, or empowering others generally. We overthink what to say, when to say it, how to say it, whether someone else should be saying it, and then we either choose the wrong thing or the wrong moment to speak, or we delay and don't speak at all. Then the opportunity to enlist others, to empower others, passes us by completely. So influence is a skill. And yes, there sure as heck is a formula, a clear formula with clear steps for developing and mastering this skill. Now, influence doesn't depend on your personality. It doesn't matter how much you pay, doesn't your level of seniority or experience doesn't matter, and your age doesn't matter. In fact, to be influential, you've just got to get real good at doing these three things in all of your interactions, your texts, your emails, your conversations, all of it. First, you got to teach people how to think. This is about giving people a clear understanding of how what you want them to do works, both on that macro and micro level. You're explaining why it's important and you're connecting their contribution to their goals. Second, you got to challenge people. It's about getting people's skin in the game and creating a sense of urgency and ownership. Now, the quickest way to do this is by getting that other person to come up with and articulate the answers to these four questions. What, how, who, when? What is the vision or goal you want to achieve, Sam? How would you like to achieve it, Sam? Sam, failing that, how else could you achieve it? Who do you need around? Who do you need support from? Who needs to be at the table? Who's holding the purse strings? When is the deadline for this? And when are those milestones that you'll need to then give me an update on or pop a catch up into my diary? And then finally, role model the way, which is about walking your talk. People won't believe the message if they don't believe the messenger. And if you're not the best role model for the request, this role model expands into providing examples of what success looks like either with colleagues in the team or in the organization who have set and accomplished that standard you want across the rest of your organization. It could be client testimonials or case studies that really show prospects what's possible for them too. You get the gist. So with role models, people feel clear and inspired by how they can apply the example to their own scenario. People get creative and they get to own it themselves. And people support what they create, not what you create, no matter how senior you are, no matter how good your idea is. 
People support what they create. So by asking them these questions, what, how, who, when, teaching them how to think and providing role models, you empower others. So check out episode 17, how to increase your influence and impact for lots more detail on mastering influence. I'm going to flag here that there is another level to influence mastery for empowering others. And in high performance coaching, we call it persuasion mastery. So high performers that master influence and take it to the next level by mastering persuasion have three more skills in their back pocket and they overlay these three skills with those three influence skills that we talked about. So these persuasion skills are acknowledging others, raising ambition and using effect. First, acknowledging others. This is about explicitly sharing your understanding of their situation before you ask them to do anything for you. Now, this is, hey, Susie, I know you're really busy. It's end of month. You've got a lot going on, but I know you're really good at this spreadsheet stuff. That's part of acknowledging others. That's just an example. There's way more things you can do to acknowledge other people. Have you noticed also that it's just so much nicer when someone acknowledges you or what you might be going through before they ask you to do anything? People who just fire a request or a direction at you, we tend to resent. (laughs) So second, raise ambition. This is about helping people visualize a better future, a future that lights up their eyes, a future that they may not have considered possible because they've become used to the status quo. They've become used to things having been how they've always been. So raising people's ambition goes hand in hand with empowering people because you're showing them a future that lifts them up and out of where they are now or what they're used to doing or to another level entirely of success. You've got to raise their ambition for that better future with a vision and you got to paint it. (laughs) And finally, the third skill in being persuasive is using effect. Now, this is about utilizing your tone, changes in your voice, changes in your pace to make someone feel like doing what you're asking of them. You can also use personal stories to evoke this emotion and generate the effect that you want the other person to feel. Empowering others is about moving them. And while what you're asking them to do might make sense mentally, it needs to feel right emotionally. How many times has something made sense to you, but you haven't felt like it was the right decision? This is where using effect or emotion comes into play. Now, if using emotion at work or in business feels weird to you, think about times when you've been moved by someone's story. Maybe a really impressive boss, CEO, leader, guest speaker came in and told you a story and you were moved by it. You felt that you should try what they had to say. Other people love stories too, especially when you make them juicy and relatable. So for more info on persuasion, check out episode 18, how to motivate your team. This will also help for teammates that are on your level and above your level, colleagues that are more senior to you. So also stay tuned. I'll do a full episode, deep dive into positive persuasion. Now, if you're someone who cares about your impact, someone who wants to leave a legacy you're proud of and wants that work-life balance at the same time because you know you need that personal and professional success, then download your free ebook, 
10x your influence to get the answers to the 10 most frequently asked questions I get about how to be more influential in business situations. Get it at www.tanyalesley.com forward slash influence guide. I'll also drop the link into the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you'd like to support the High Performance Made Simple podcast, please share this show with three people who you think are awesome. Maybe they're your mates. Maybe it's someone you'd like to get to know better, or maybe it's your partner in life. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on LinkedIn at Tanya Semrad or Instagram at Tanya underscore high performance. And I look forward to tuning in with you again soon. Ciao for now. 